We'll be in Nehemiah chapter 4 this morning. Nehemiah and chapter 4. Hope you had a good week. It's you know, it's funny, a work week, it was a short week because Monday was Labor Day. Me and James were talking before. It feels like that was about two weeks ago. <laughs> it seemed like it, it took a little while after Monday to pass by, but uh, I hope you had a good week. hope you had some time off on Monday to enjoy. Our, uh, my mom and dad came down Sunday um, after church, and we got to spend some time together Sunday and Monday. And... Um, and enjoyed that time together. They came over and looked at the building, and um, and we just talked about how good the Lord's been, and how He's answered our prayers, and excited about that, and uh, uh, definitely uh, excited about what God is doing here. Nehemiah chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read the first six verses of Nehemiah 4, and then we'll pray, and uh, we'll look at a few thoughts uh, today from this, uh, this chapter, Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that the, we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren with the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Uh, Nehemiah is a great book, and there's so much we can get out of the book. And this chapter, we might spend two weeks in it. Um, we'll see what the Lord has for us next week. But uh, we're going to look at some thoughts that we see through this chapter and continuing through this book. Uh, here today. Lord, I pray for your help. I pray that um, as we look into this, uh, this portion of Nehemiah, God, I believe there is so much that is just timely for us today and all that is going through, uh, going on in our country today. And Lord, as Christians, there is a time that we must be uh, firm, a time that we must stand, a time that we must do our part to build. And God, I pray that today in looking at Nehemiah and the, uh, the instances of this time in history, that, Lord, we can learn and grow from it. Help me to present it clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are going to see the beginning now of Sanballat and Tobiah and their efforts to put a stop to the work that Nehemiah and the people are doing. And I was thinking through as I was reading through chapter 3, which we'll look at some today, and chapter 4 uh, in preparation for this sermon, I began to think, what are we supposed to do when the world tells us to stop? California right now is a unique situation. The state itself is, is incredibly unique. If you've ever been there, the people are just different in California. Different mindset, different personality, just different view of life, it seems like. Uh, out there, really out west in, as in general, but uh, California is unique. Well, right now they are, they are telling churches to stop. 
Um, they are telling them no indoor services, and we went through some of that here, but even in that, that the mandates that we've had, it, it hasn't felt like, at least to me personally, I know other, some pastors feel differently, to me personally, it didn't feel like an attack. Um, it was just a, a temporary necessity. But in California right now, pastors are being fined for holding services, thousands upon thousands of dollars. And uh, they are being told they cannot meet, they cannot meet indoors, they cannot meet at all, different things going on. And a lot of what we would say is oppression on the church right now in California. And, and some fear it'll, it'll spread throughout the country. What happens there typically tends to make it to the rest of the country eventually. But nonetheless, uh, uh, there are going to be times in the Christian life when the world tells us to stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop the progress. They won't necessarily say it in this way, but stop the progress that's being made for the glory of God. It needs to end. It needs to stop right now. Don't do it anymore. So what are we going to do when we're told to stop? In Nehemiah chapter 4, we see here Nehemiah facing an instance where he is told you need to stop. And so I want us to look at just three thoughts today that we can learn or see from these passages. Number one, I want you to understand this morning that most of your work will go unobscured by the world. Most of the things that you're doing for God, the world will be fine with. The world won't try to stop you. The world won't really even uh, pay much attention to. In chapter 3, there are many things going on. And, and the reason why we've kind of skipped it as far as reading it today is in the 32 verses in chapter 3, it's telling you what they're building and who's building it. And they go through this list of different areas, different gates, and different areas of the city that are being rebuilt by different people uh, throughout there in Jerusalem. And they're building and they're working. And, and as they're doing all these things, not once do we read in chapter 3 of Sanballat and Tobiah and others going, no, they can't do that. No, they need to stop doing that. No, that shouldn't be happening. But when we come to chapter 4, in verse number 1, it says that, that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, that's when he got upset. That's when he started to take notice. And we have to understand that there is so much that we can do that, uh, that, that the rest of the world is fine with and sometimes will even encourage us to do. And they'll allow us to do so much work unobscured. The question is, is are we doing the work? Sometimes out of fear of repercussion or out of fear of, of maybe some, someone putting up a stop sign to us, we don't do things. But yet we as Christians so many times fail to do the work necessary and the, the, if I can say it as the easy work. The things that, that uh, it's easy to get people to help us with. It's easy to, to get uh, other people on board. It's easy for the community to be excited about it. Those sorts of things. The question is, are we even doing those? But when the wall begins to get built, why are walls so controversial? <laughs> uh, when the walls begin to get built, uh, Sanballat says, no, that can't happen. But in chapter 3, if you'll read through it, and we won't take the time this morning to do it, you'll see all the things that are being done. And like I said, the world will join in sometimes. We're talking about feeding the hungry. The world will say, hey, that's good. I'll help you with that. We're talking about clothing the homeless. The world will say, hey, that's good. I'll help you with that. We're talking about getting water to places that don't have clean drinking water. The world will say, hey, I'm on board with that. Let's do that. 
Those sorts of things, there is so much things that can be done, giving money to charities. I was talking with someone uh, about a, a similar thing here recently, but uh, you know, the, the most wicked people in the world give millions of dollars to charity every year. The reason why they do it is to make them feel good about themselves and to kind of try to, to, in their minds, balance out all the wicked they do uh, with, with some good. But even the wicked, even and we're all wicked, I get it, but even the, the most sinful among us is okay with doing some things that are good. Sam Ballot and Tobiah and the others uh, here, they're seeing all the work going on in Jerusalem, and they don't seem to care too much, don't seem to worry too much, don't seem to put up any obstacles, and so Nehemiah and the people got a lot accomplished. They just kept working, and they kept building, and, and chapter 3 can be a great illustration of working together and, and, and all those sorts of things as well. There are so many different people putting in so much effort and work uh, into rebuilding Jerusalem, but we need to remember there is a, much of the work that we'll do will go unobscured. The world won't put a stop sign up. The world maybe even will encourage us to do. The question is, is are we doing it? Are we doing any work at all? Are we doing our part to build? The second thought is where we'll spend the majority of our time today, although it won't be much time, is this. Some of your work will create a divide from the world. Some of the things that you do for God will put up a wall, so to say, between you and those that do not believe in God or do not follow God. Let's look at a couple other verses. Keep your spot in Nehemiah 4. We will come back. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 14 through 17. The Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So he's saying there are things that just don't go together. I grew up as a young child watching uh, Sesame Street. Now, I know that's controversial today, but Sesame Street uh, taught me lots of things. You've got Oscar the Grouch who lives in a trash can. If you're grouchy, you'll end up homeless. That's what I was taught. Um, if you're, you've got uh, Elmo and you've got Big Bird and all those kinds of things. And, and one of the things that they, they did during the program was one of these things don't belong. There was a little song and they had a group of items and, and all of the items made sense together except for one. One of them didn't fit. And you were supposed to, as a kid, figure out which item didn't fit within that grouping. Well, the Bible teaches us, and God teaches us, that there are things that just don't fit. They just don't go together. They're not meant to be together. Light and darkness don't go together. If you have light, you don't have darkness. If you have darkness, you don't have light. So with that picture, righteousness does not go with unrighteousness. If you want to be godly, you have to be godly. You can't be ungodly. You can't, you can't mix it. It doesn't go together. You can't spend time in the ungodliness. Now, there is a large difference between being in the world of the world, another topic the Bible discusses, 
And I've heard people, the, they're silly, they're ignorant, I think, at least, as personal opinion, that they say, well, you've got to be right in amongst them all, so it makes sense for me to go to the bars on Friday nights to witness. Well, listen, if you're in the bars on Friday nights to witness, I'm not saying that it's, that it's wrong to witness uh, to people, but typically drunk people aren't going to remember a whole lot about what you talked about on Friday night come Saturday morning. It's not an, a, a place that's going to get reap a whole lot of benefit. And on top of that, you put yourself in an atmosphere that is not going to draw you closer to God. As a matter of fact, it is going to, to very quickly pull you away from God. I've heard of people talking about, well, I need to do this in my, my personal life uh, and, and, and order to uh, better relate with the people I'm trying to reach. Well, the Bible says that there's, sin is sin, and whether you're committing it for a good purpose or not doesn't change the fact that God hates it. And so we cannot uh, uh, mix righteousness with unrighteousness. It does not fit together. It says in verse 15, What concord hath Christ with Belial? It doesn't, doesn't fit God and, and, and false gods and wickedness and other things. Um, what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? It doesn't fit. It doesn't go together. And then he brings up the temple. What, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Idols should not be in the temple of God. And then God says, And the body is made a temple. The believers, those that believe in me, those that follow me, I am, I am I'm living within them. That is now the temple, and there is no place for me and for idols. It doesn't fit. It doesn't go together. And so we see that there is a divide between the godly and the ungodly. Now, if I were to ask you, are you godly? Many people would humbly say no. If I were to ask you, are you ungodly? Um, most Christians will say, well, no, I'm not ungodly, but if you want to call me godly, man, I just don't know if I fit into that. Well, I'll, I'm here to tell you, and you probably already know this, but there is supposed to be a divide between the godly and the ungodly, between the righteous and the unrighteous, between the God followers and the world. Now, that doesn't mean that we should never talk. It doesn't mean that we should be mean. It definitely does not mean that we should shun and, and ignore and look down upon the world. But God says you are to be different. In James chapter 4, in verse number 4, the Bible says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now again, let's make sure we understand what we're talking about here. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be friendly, nice, kind, compassionate to the world, but it does mean that we should not be spending all of our time uh, immersed in the things of the world. We should be having our time spent immersed in the things of God. And God says, if you're a friend of the world, meaning that you're a companion, that you are uh, attached to, that you are uh, immersed in the world, then you're an enemy of God. Because the things of the world and the things of God are at enmity. They don't go together. They don't mesh. They don't blend. And so there is a divide between you, there should be, between you, a Christian, and the world. And that division will bring up some interesting experiences in your life. A wall that they are building here in Nehemiah not only is going to divide them from their so-called enemies, Sanballat and Tobiah, it is also going to protect them from their enemies. I, I, <laughs> I could tell political jokes. I'm going to try to refrain from it today. 
but, but as you build a wall, you build it for a reason. In most cases, sometimes I guess it's just decorative, but in most cases a wall is to protect or to divide, to keep people out or to keep people in. Uh, prisons have walls in between the cell blocks. It's not just a big old open room for people. They keep them divided. Uh, there are walls or fences that are built around uh, uh, prisons to keep the people within the prison. There are other people who build walls around their houses to keep people or fences to keep people from getting into their property. Uh, it goes different directions. It goes different ways. But there are, is a purpose for it. It is a division. That's the whole reason you put up a gate or a wall or a fence to divide something. From the earliest of days, people would put up divisions between their property and someone else's property so they know where their property ends and begins. Well, think of this for a moment. In verse number 1, we read that Sanballat was angry because they were building a wall. Look in verse 7. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites uh, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. They were upset now. Why? Because now there is a division. For the longest time, the nation of Israel, Jerusalem and the Jews, were going through a time of ultimately its punishment from God, uh, discipline for their idolatry and for their turning away from God. Many of them had been taken captive, and there was still this remnant that was left in Jerusalem. And so during this time, the enemies of Jerusalem didn't view them as a valid threat. They were weak, they didn't have protection, they were just kind of now living a part of their society, the enemy's society, as opposed to their own society. And so Sanballat, as he sees the walls go up, now he's beginning to realize, hey, these people are, are re-establishing themselves here in their own ways. That's why he asks in verse number 2, uh, um, will they fortify themselves? Will they begin to sacrifice? Uh, will they uh, uh, revive the stones uh, out of the heaps here and all these sorts of things? He's asking the questions, who do they think they are? Are they going to try to make themselves a nation again? Are they going to try to build themselves up their own society, doing their own things, not doing the things that we have done, not doing it the way that we have been doing it here recently? What are, what are they doing with all this building? And now that they're building a wall, it's going to give protection and division here in Jerusalem. When we put up biblical walls to divide and to protect us from the things of the world, there are going to be people who are going to be upset about it. The, and we've talked about this before, but the definition of love used by the world today is different than the definition of love used by the Bible. The world tells you that if you will, you, in order for you to love me, you have to accept and be okay with everything that I do. The Bible teaches us that in order for us to love someone, we have to help them do what is right. So when they're doing wrong, we try to help them do right. We don't say, well, I know you're doing wrong, and you know what, you know that I don't agree with it, but, but it's what you want to do, so it's okay. Well, that's not true biblical love. True biblical love is, hey, you're doing something that is wrong, and there's going to be a consequence for it, and you're not going to like it. This is going to lead you down a dangerous path. This is going to put you in position uh, to, to, to really fall into some trouble in your life. You need to get right. What can I do to help you do right? 
many people won't listen to us in that case, and that's, that's going to happen. That's something we have to understand, that, that as we love someone, there's many times they're going to deny it. They don't want it. They, they don't want that kind of love. And as we put up biblical walls in our lives that say we have to be different, we have to be divided on these issues in life, because God is not okay with it. And so that wall that gets put up, there are going to be people who are going to respond very negatively to that. Now listen, I admit, as much as anybody does, there are people who put up walls and they do it in the wrong way. Their attitude is wrong, their mindset is wrong, their, uh, um, the way they respond to people is wrong. I, I'm not here to say that, that everyone who puts up the right standard, if I can use that word, always does it the right way. But the Bible teaches us that there are walls that we must put up to divide us, to separate us, as well as to protect us. We put up walls on moral issues. There are lifestyles in the world today that we're being told we need to be okay with, but the Bible says God is not okay with it. Now, how do we handle it? Again, there is a right way and a wrong way. There is a kind way, a loving way, and and a hateful way to go about this. But God does tell us you need to put up the wall. The lifestyles are wrong, they're immoral, they're wicked. You can't have anything to do with it. You cannot be one that says, I'm okay with it, because God says, I am not okay with it. God says, I hate it. God says it is an abomination. So we can't, I'm telling you, the world is is beating us and beating us and beating us, making us weaker and weaker and weaker on stands on biblical issues. Because everyone in the world is telling us, you need to be okay with this. We're going to put it on television, we're going to put it in music, we're going to put it on kids' shows, we're going to put it in different places where you have to see it. We're going to put it in education where people are going to be taught, your children are going to be taught that it's fine and it's good and it's acceptable. And in doing that as a a Christian, as someone who follows God, we have to take a stand on biblical issues. There are too many issues in the Bible where God, black and white, says, this is right and this is wrong. And if you go against God on it, I'm telling you, you don't have the wall built. I've always said, and and I say this as carefully as I can, we want anyone who walks in through the doors of our church to feel welcome to be here. We do not deny anyone access to coming to our church. But someone, whether it be a Christian living in sin or a lost person uh, who's never seen Christ, experienced Christ, accepted Christ, no matter who it is, if you're living in sin, you should not be comfortable in church. Because sin is uncomfortable. And if sin has become comfortable, that's a dangerous place to be. But if you come into a Bible-preaching church and you're living in sin, you shouldn't walk out going, boy, that was just great. I'm going to keep doing everything that I'm doing. The Bible teaches us there is right and wrong. There is punishment for wrong. There is results or consequences for wrongdoing. There are blessings for doing right. But God teaches us as Christians, you have to build a division between you and the world, between righteousness and unrighteousness, between godly and ungodly, between light and darkness. We put up walls on moral issues and people will get upset about it. You can put up a wall about entertainment. Now, what are you going to allow in your home for entertainment? And your coworkers will say, hey, did you see this? And you can say, no, I didn't. 
I've heard about it, and it sounds quite horrible. The programs that are being put out now are basically being advertised as mainstream pornography. And I hear my coworkers talking about shows and and they'll ask, hey, did you see that? And then they'll stop. Well, oh, you're a pastor. I'm, I'm guessing you probably didn't. And they say, it's probably good. You probably don't want to see it. And they're admitting to the fact that there's things within it that's just bad. And if you put up a wall and you say, you know what, well, we're not going to allow that in our home. I'm not going to allow that in my life. There'll be people who will look at you and think, what's wrong with you? It's just a show. It's just a movie, it's just a whatever. If you put up the right walls, godly walls, I guarantee you there are going to be people who are going to be against it. There are going to be some people over certain issues that are going to be angry about it. I try to be consistent in this, in this uh, topic, but, uh, and I've, <laughs> I think I have been, I think all politicians are sleazeballs. Um, I don't trust any of them. I don't think any of them are great people. And I'm sure there are some good ones out there somewhere in the world. But uh, uh, nonetheless, you know, as a Christian, we're coming up on an election. You can support a person if you want to. That's your choice. But for me, I have learned that I have to support principles. Because the people, <laughs> they're, they're people. <laughs> they make mistakes. They do bad things. They're not... And, and at least the ones that I've seen, they're just not great human beings in most cases. And then I've had people ask me, well, how in the world can you support this person? And how in the world can you support that person? And different things like that. And I say, listen, for me, it's a principle issue. Yeah, that person's wicked. Yeah, I can't stand to listen to that person talk. But the principles that they are going to put into place in our country, the the things that are the policies and the different things like that, they line up more with my personal principles than this candidate does. And you see, we get caught up in the arguing people when we should be just looking at the Bible and saying, listen, you know, these people are both wicked. Give me any ballot, and I can probably find something sinful in the person's lives on either side of the ballot. It's just the way it is. And you can do that anywhere, right? Give me any pew in this church today and I can probably find someone's sin uh, uh, in it. And you, you could do the same with me. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't put up a wall for biblical principle, for the right things in our country. This principle is, lines up with what God desires for my life so I'm going to vote to try to make sure that that principle gets put into our country. Again, if you want to support a person, that's fine, that's your choice. But I'm telling you, as a Christian, the world looks at us and they say, how in the world can you tell me this is wrong when you're saying that this person's a great Christian? Listen, people aren't stupid. They can see very clearly the hypocrisy that Christians have in this world today. We have to be so aware of what God desires and put up the walls on biblical principles. I believe we should call our politicians out when they do something that is wrong. 
I also believe that it's okay for us to say something nice about the politician that we don't like if they do something good. I've always said, and this is, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, personal preference. If you can't say something nice about the person you don't like, and if you can't say something bad about the person you do like, then I don't care about your opinion because you're only going to give me a one side of the story. But that has nothing to do with this, so I don't even know why I'm telling you that. Uh, most of your work is going to go unobscured by the world. Some of your work is going to create a divide from the world. When we put up those walls, there are going to be people who are going to look and say, no, 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 you can't put up that wall. No, no, you can't fight that issue. You're supposed to love me. No, no, you can't say that I'm wrong. You're supposed to love me. Hey, listen, if the Bible says you're wrong, you're wrong. Whether, again, whether it be a Christian or a lost person, if the Bible says you're wrong, you're wrong. It's just that simple. So then number three, and lastly, let's ask the question, how will you react? When you're building the walls and putting up the walls that God's told you to, to put up, and people come against you and they say, I don't like you, I hate you, what you're doing is mean and wicked, and you're, you're not being a Christian, and all those sorts of things, how are you going to react to that? Look in verse number six. So built we the wall. We just kept working. We began building and we kept building the wall. Look in verse number 21. So we labored. We just kept working. We just kept going. Chapter 3 lists all the people that came together to build. And now that they've built all the other things, they're building the wall. And they said, we're just going to keep going. If you know the story of Nehemiah, you know, and, and we're not going to touch on it fully today, and we might hit on it next week, but you know that uh, Sanballat and Tobiah and the other people with them were attacking them while they were building the wall. They're sitting there building and fighting. As a matter of fact, at the end of the chapter here, it says, likewise, uh, verse number 20, uh, verse 21, so we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, let every one of you with his servants lodge within Jerusalem, and uh, that in night they, might, they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So they are, they are fighting, they are defending, they are also building. All this is going on at the same time. And we have to understand that God says, go out and build the wall. Keep building, keep working, keep going. And God says, I have prepared you for the fight that you are in. I have prepared you by giving you truth, by giving you righteousness, by giving you the gospel, by giving you faith, by giving you salvation, and by giving you the word of God. That is the armor that God has given us. And he says, if you'll put on the whole armor of God, you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The enemy's going to attack, the enemy's going to push, the world is going to come after you. They're not going to be okay with the walls that you put up. But when they come after you, if you have on the whole armor of God, you will be able to stand. You'll be able to withstand. So we put on the armor with truth and righteousness and the gospel and faith and salvation and the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, to fight back. Listen, if you don't have the Word of God, then when people say, well, why are you building this wall? And you say, because I want to, it's not going to stick. But if someone says, why are you building this wall? And you say, the Bible says. Listen, they may not agree with the Bible. But if they're fighting the Bible, they're fighting something far stronger, far wiser, far more powerful than them. 
If they're fighting you, they might be able to overcome you. They might be smarter, they might be able to argue better, they might be able to be more knowledgeable on an issue than you are. But if you come to them with Scripture, now they're fighting God. And we put on the whole armor of God, and then we build the wall. We say, God, Your Word says this needs to be in my life. Your word says that this is wicked. I'm going to build up a wall to divide, to separate from that thing and to protect my heart from that temptation. Sam Ballots and Tobias are going to come and they're going to be angry and they're going to say things. They're going to try to trick you, deceive you, overpower you. Just build the wall. Just keep laboring. Just keep working. In confidence that it's what God sent you to do. Nehemiah, that we looked in, in chapter 1 or chapter 2, where Nehemiah, he kept God at the center of it all. God told me to go do this. God told me to, to, to go do this. God provided for me the things that I needed in order to do it. This is God's plan, and so I'm going to build the wall. Listen, it's God's plan in your life to build up walls, to divide, and to, to protect you from the wickedness of the world. It's important that we keep laboring, and that we keep working. What's your response going to be when they attack you? What's your response going to be when they mock you? What's your response going to be when they're angry at you because you're building the wall? I'll tell you this, if your wall is biblical, you'll be able to stand. Maybe there are walls in your life today that you actually need to tear down. Maybe you've put up walls that aren't biblical. And God says, no, you're supposed to have a wall, but it's supposed to be this wall and not that wall. Maybe today you need to say, God, I've put up these walls in my life, but to be honest with you, they're just personal walls. They're not spiritual walls. They're not godly walls. God, I want to build the wall that you want me to build. Maybe you've experienced some of the attacks while you're building the wall and you've not handled it the right way. Well, today, why don't you ask God for His help? Maybe you have no walls. Maybe your walls are all torn down and the world is just running in and there's nothing to keep you separate from the ungodliness of this world. You have not separated yourself as God has told us to. Well, today, why don't you commit to God to start building the wall? Everything was coming down so it looked like for Nehemiah, many attacking, many coming against them. But he says, so built we the wall. So we labored. Let's not stop. Let's keep building. Lord, I pray for your help. God, I pray that you would guide us and direct us in the ways that you'd have us to go. God, I pray that you'd help us to see what is dark and what is light. Lord, what is righteous and what is unrighteous. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we are the temple of God. Lord, that we would not allow the idols to come in. God, I pray that you'd help us, first of all, with the work that, that we are going to receive no, uh, uh, no resistance to. 
Yet, God, still sometimes we just don't do the work. So help us to get to work. Lord, I pray as well that you'd help as we, uh, as we put up the division, the protection that you've told us to in the Bible. God, I, I know that it's not easy. Sometimes our relatives are asking hard questions. Maybe they're getting upset with us. Lord, I know there's coworkers that we talk with on a regular basis. They don't understand and they think uh, different things about us. And, and, and it, can, it can hurt because it, it does bring a, a separation, that maybe a forced separation. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see what is necessary. And God, that as we build these, these walls in our lives that you've told us to build, God, that we would not be... Uh, um, saddened by the divide, but Lord, that we'd be encouraged by it. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to respond correctly when those people do come against us. God, I pray that as we're building the wall, that we would not do it angrily. Lord, that we would not do it hatefully. But God, that we would do it biblically. God, use us as an example for what a Christian is supposed to be. Lord, we need your help, and we're asking for it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand with me, please, as the piano begins to play? God's spoken to you about something today. I pray that you'd take a moment just to, to, to deal with that with God. It's between you and Him. You can stay at your seat if you'd like. If you'd like to come to the front, you're more than welcome to. But if there's a wall in your life that needs to go up or go down or or any other issue that God's spoken to you about today, I pray that you would just deal with that with God. I'm going to be quiet as the piano plays. Take a moment to pray with God.